And thus Paul encouraged his readers to conduct themselves opposite of the circumstance that they found themselves in. If married, live as if you're not. If weeping, act as if you're not. If rejoicing, buying, producing, live as if you're not. Perhaps Paul is just reminding us whether married or unmarried, weeping or rejoicing, buying or producing, we are to keep Jesus and his soon return at the forefront of our minds. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And that's what we want to look at today here in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 17 through 40. I titled this message, The Time is Short, and our four points... Walk as you are called, verses 17 through 24. The present distress, verses 25 through 31. Cares and distractions, verses 32 through 35. And virgins and widows, verses 36 through 40. Secondly, we find in verses 25 through 32, he says, First of all, in verses 25 through 28, remain as you are. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. So as an apostle of Jesus Christ, one whom Jesus, he says, the Lord has made trustworthy. He's writing now under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives his opinion concerning virgins. And we'll get to that in a moment. Before he lays that out, he speaks about the present distress. I'd already mentioned the population of Rome of 1.2 million people, but it was during this time that Rome was in a Roman peace. And some of the Roman emperors were pretty decent. They were considered good emperors, but there were a couple of emperors that were so cruel, so bad, that they were actually erased 
from Roman record. And those two emperors were Caligula, and he reigned from A.D. 37 to 41, and Nero, who ruled from 54 to 68. And so two of the emperors who were so bad that Rome said, we don't even want to know about these people, we erased them, they were ruling during this time. Probably while Paul is writing this, Nero is on the throne. And so he was not a good emperor. At this point, there's already persecution against the Jews, against the church, and eventually there would be torture and Christians would be killed. And there would be 10 Roman emperors that follows Nero's example, 10 Roman emperors who would uh, come against the church in a strong way. This present distress that was upon them may refer to the persecution of the Christians that was beginning to take a foothold during this time. Considering, though, the present distress, Paul took a position of remaining in the current state that the believer found themselves in. He says, if married, stay married. If single, stay single. And yet, even if a Christian, he would go on to say, if a Christian man or a Christian woman were to marry, they have not sinned. Paul is just trying to say, I'd like to spare you some heartache if I can. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We have to admit that there are sometimes, even this morning, I had the news on, I was going over my message, I was just listening to you know, Corona, 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 Corona. Uh, that's all that was on this morning, but I was listening to it. But there was a question that perked up my ears. The question was to one of the doctors that was on the news show. And the question was, I'm getting married this summer. Should I postpone the wedding or call it off? And I was glad to see the doc. He said, the marriage covenant is the most important institution that we have. It was good to hear him say that. But people are concerned about these things. Sometimes it's just not the right time because of the event. Think about a world war that our nation, oftentimes in times of war, people rush to get married, but it may not be the best time to do that. But we are to redeem the time. Although we live in days that are evil, the light of Jesus Christ is still available to whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. And if a person walks as a fool by not redeeming the time which the Lord has given him, we find that darkness will overtake them. But if we walk circumspectly, we walk not as a fool, but as the wise, we learn how to redeem the time to make best use of what the Lord has given us. We can be a light and a testimony to others in difficult times. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. We're to walk in wisdom. We are to conduct ourselves differently than the rest of the world. It would be like heading to your local big box store and you're making your way to the last package of toilet paper or paper towels. We've seen the shelves wiped out over the last two weeks. What if there were two of you going for the same role, a Christian and a non-Christian, would the Christian begin to fight and demand the right 
Or say, go ahead and take it. I'll trust in the Lord. Or maybe you could buy it and split it. I don't know. But, you know, think about how things could play out. As Christians, we are to take the road of service in serving others. The time is short, he says in verses 29 through 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they have none. Those who weep as though they do not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. Those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. He says the time is short. And it refers to the belief of the soon return of Jesus Christ. When compared to the whole of creation, our time is very short upon this earth. We live but a fraction of the time since God said in the beginning, let there be light. Or God said, let there be man and woman upon this earth. Job 14, 1 and 2 tells us, man who is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. In the view of all of creation, yes, our time is but a fraction upon this earth. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to live and value the time that the Lord gives us to live as if the Lord could return at any moment. In Romans 13, 11 and 12, it says, And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of our sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. And thus Paul encouraged his readers to conduct themselves opposite of the circumstance that they found themselves in. If married, Lily, this is what Paul said. I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but live as if you're not. If weeping, act as if you're not. If rejoicing, buying, producing, live as if you're not. Perhaps Paul is just reminding us, whether married or unmarried, weeping or rejoicing, buying or producing, we are to keep Jesus and his soon return at the forefront of our minds. This world is passing away. It's a word that speaks about the fashion or the form of this world is passing away. It signifies that this manner of life that we find ourselves in, it is passing away. And John said in 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I always love this poem by Linda Ellis. It goes like this. The title of the poem is called The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on a tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that the first came, the date of birth, and spoke the following date with tears. But when he said what matters most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent on the earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. So when your eulogy is being read, with your life's actions being rehashed, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? The little dash between the two dates 
from birth to death. Whether married or unmarried, weeping or rejoicing, buying or producing, we are to keep the soon return of Christ at the forefront of our minds. And he goes on to speak about cares and distractions, verses 32 through 35. And first we see in verses 32 and 33, an unmarried man versus a married man. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. To be without care, it's only found here in the New Testament, this Greek word. And it speaks to be unconcerned or without worry, free from worry. And thus a man who is unmarried, and, and let me put it this way, a man who is unmarried and truly living for Jesus, he'll be able to focus his energies upon the things of the Lord. On the other hand, those who are married, I'm one of them, you desire to live for Jesus but also you'll be concerned about the needs of your wife and family. And Paul isn't saying that that is wrong. He's just saying, I'd like to, if I'm able to, and, and realize this, he's talking to those who are unmarried at this point when he's writing this, that if I could keep you from these cares and help you to be more useful to the Lord, then so be it. A married woman versus an unmarried woman. Verse 34, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be found both holy, both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. You know, the same is true for unmarried woman who is truly living for Jesus since she is without a husband, without children, she can focus her energies on the things of the Lord, that both her body and soul may be found holy. On the other hand, a married woman, though she loves Jesus, will be concerned about the things of the home, about her husband, about her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, how far you want to take it. One thing I've always noticed in our home, that uh I like clean things, nice things, I'll paint things, but if, if I was on my own and I built a home, it would probably look a little different than the home that Lily and I have. It might be a little more rustic in its appearance. It would probably be clean, but once I got my curtains, my furniture and stuff, you know, I could be 30 when that happened, and by the time you're 60, it's like, Grandpa, those curtains have been up for 30 years. Absolutely. They still look good. I probably wouldn't change too much. But I, I've noticed through the years, my wife will take things that I think still look fine, and she'll notice the flaws in them. She'll give a uh, facelift to our home. She makes it a home where I would probably just have a house. And that's how it is. We are to live without care, in this sense, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 and 26, I say, don't worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known 
to God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Both in body and spirit, we need to know that we have been bought with the price, according to 1 Corinthians 6.20. Therefore, we are to glorify God with our bodies in our spirits, which are God's. We belong to God. So the cares and the anxieties that we might have, well, David told us in Psalm 55.22, to cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And I learned long ago to cast my cares upon the Lord. We are to serve Jesus in verse 35. And this I say to your own prophet, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Not that I may put a leash on you. Paul is just trying to help them to help them to take advantage. It's like an old guy like me giving counsel to a teenager, teenage boy, about his future. Now, often that teenage boy might think, yeah, right. And I'm thinking, you know, I could save you a lot of trouble. If you just listen, I could save you a lot of grief. And the yeah, right attitude will lead to a lot of grief. And they'll learn the hard way. Paul is saying, I'm trying to say this to your profit, to your benefit. I don't want to put a leash on yours. It's actually a slipknot, uh, something that catches someone or a thing. That I just want to help you out. Now, he had the attitude we learned last week that celibacy was the best policy. That's what Paul felt. He remained in an unmarried state, and he encouraged others to do that. But he also said, if you marry, it is not a sin. But this is just my opinion on these things. So whether married or unmarried, we are to serve Jesus. And remember, Paul, he began this section saying, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so for those who do marry, it's not a sin. But Paul emphasizes whether someone is married or unmarried, they are to conduct themselves as believers in Jesus Christ. We are to live to bring glory to Christ. Paul is not trying to hurt them. He's trying to help them. He's trying to give them an advantage to encourage them as they walk in a proper conduct before the Lord and before others. He did not want to leash them or restrict them, but he did not want them to be overwhelmed by the cares of this life. And again, I learned long ago when I was in my early 20s, in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Uh, at the prayer bench in my dad's church, we have prayer benches here. It was where 1 Peter 5, 7 became a significant verse in my life. Kneeling at a prayer bench when an evangelist came up and said, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. May we find the freedom from life's cares and distractions through our faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, verses 36 through 40, he speaks to virgins, first of all, of if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she has passed the flower of youth, thus it may be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, 
but has power over his own will and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. This is a very difficult passage of scripture to understand because I, I looked into the Greek on this as well. And uh, he's actually crossing from masculine to feminine uh, use of words. So talking about a guy, talking about a girl, he's talking about third person, plural, and it's hard to kind of track it. So scholars, theologians, pastors kind of came down to three perspectives of possibly what Paul is talking about. The first is viewed that from the perspective of a father and his virgin daughter. The second, the perspective of a man and his betrothed, or the gal he's engaged to, we would say today. And the third is viewed from the perspective of a man in his own virginity. So from the perspective of the father and his virgin daughter in that culture, dad had authority over his household, and it was by the approval of dad that his daughter would be betrothed and married. From the perspective of a man and his betrothed wife, uh, we learn from the accounts of Joseph and Mary that they were betrothed, and at some point, Joseph discovered that Mary was with child, and he did not want to make a public example of her, decided that he would put her away secretly. That put away secretly spoke about a, a writ of divorce. That betrothal uh, was a written contract that could only be broken by divorce, so it was more than what we consider an engagement today. Finally, from the perspective of a man is and his own virginity. If a man uh, feels like I'm going to lose my virginity, then Paul would say, get married. Don't blow it, but go ahead and get married. You have not sinned. And so the idea Paul is merely pointing out, whether a person remains unmarried or married, that they do not sin against Jesus. Paul believed, as I said last week, this week as well, celibacy, the best policy. I wouldn't agree with him, but that's what he believed. And he preached it here. And so, verse 38, he who gives in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. We have two more verses to go, 39 through 40. Widows, a wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. But if the husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. So finally, he addresses widows. And the woman and the man who are bound to one another by the law of marriage, uh, even when I do a marriage ceremony, I, in my ceremony, I tell them, until death alone shall part you. And Paul's example here, as long as the husband lives, the wife is bound to her husband. But if the husband dies, she is free from that. If she was to marry another man while her husband is alive, according to the Mosaic law, she is an adulteress. But if the husband dies, she is freed from the marriage covenant, the contract, and she is able to marry another, and she is not an adulteress. Paul said this in Romans 7, verses 2 and 3 as well. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives, but if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband lives, if she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. 
But if her husband dies, she is freed from that law, and she is no adulteress, though she has married another. So again, Paul simply saying, he felt that you would lead a happier life if you remained without a husband or wife. For the widows, he was saying, but he also said, if you marry, it's not a sin. He was just kind of preaching the lifestyle that he took up. It was Paul's judgment, one who had the spirit of God. So whether single or married, this is what I take out of all of this. We are to live to honor Jesus Christ with our lives. Paul reminds us that the time is short. And having a significant birthday coming up this year, there are a lot less years ahead of me than behind me. Unless I would live to be 120 years old, I doubt that. So yeah, time is getting short. So in light of that, we are to walk as the Lord has called us. The idea of that is that we can have a godly impact upon those who are in the sphere of our influence. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.